Our scripture reading for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, beginning at verse 34. This is a passage often known as the Great Commandment. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak to us, transform us, teach us to follow Christ, teach us to live like Jesus, teach us to love like Jesus. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Well, there they go again. The Pharisees are up to their old tricks trying to trap Jesus. You see, it was very common in the day for rabbis to have debates about the finer points of the law. They might argue about which was the more important law, the prohibition against stealing or the prohibition against adultery, for example. We know for certain that they argued about their varying interpretations of honoring the Sabbath. Uh, what does it mean to honor the Sabbath? How strict do you have to be in that? And so they were very used to these debates and arguments amongst themselves. And in fact, those very debates and arguments had divided people for decades, really for centuries, uh, causing different schools and different sects to, uh, to arise within Judaism, all arguing over the finer points of the law. And so these Pharisees said, here's how we can get Jesus. We will create those same kind of divisions among his followers. We'll ask a question, make him pick a side, and we'll begin to divide and conquer the Jesus followers and thereby begin to put this movement in its place. So they go to him, Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Uh, come on, Jesus, is it uh, you shall have no other gods before me. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Honor your parents. Honor the Sabbath. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Which? Come on, Jesus. Pick one. Which is the most important? If he picks one, then perhaps his followers begin to divide. They begin to form up their own different schools, and maybe the Pharisees can finally slow down this Jesus movement. But I want you to hear this, don't let it slip by, that religious leaders used religious arguments to try to divide followers of Jesus. I just want to point that out, not that it would ever happen anymore, but religious leaders used religious argument to divide followers of Jesus. The, the enemies of Christ used religious debates to attack the followers of Christ. But, who knows, they might have even gotten lucky. They might have said, well, maybe, maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe Jesus will offer some new law, some new doctrine. It is a whole new movement. He claims to speak for God. Maybe we'll get a new, maybe at least he will say something negative about the law of Moses. Then we can brand him a heretic and be done with it. It'll be over. Well, of course, Jesus doesn't fall for it. He's way too smart for what they're up to. Uh, and he responds, amazingly well. In fact, Jesus answers the Pharisees with their very own scripture. Jesus doesn't come up with anything new. He quotes the Old Testament. He quotes the Torah. 
he says to these Pharisees, these experts in Torah, well, Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength. Leviticus 18, 19 says, love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the greatest laws. Everything else hangs on those two. Well, once again, Jesus has defeated the Pharisees. There's nothing they can do about that. They can't argue against their own Bible that they're supposed to believe. And so Jesus has successfully defended himself once again. But it was more than just defense. It was more than Jesus just getting out of a jam. In this great commandment, Jesus revolutionized religion. He changed it forever. He changed it for first century Jews and he changes it for us today. You see, it's very easy for faithfulness to devolve into a sort of checkbox religion. You know, where we make our own list, right? Don't we do this? We say, uh, don't don't use the Lord's name in vain. Yeah, we're, we check that one up. Honor our parents. Uh, don't steal. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill anybody, for goodness sakes. We, we make our, our own little checklist. And then at the end of the day, we check it off. And if we can give ourselves a passing grade, we feel pretty good about ourselves, right? If we think we've been better overall, then we can rest easy, go to sleep at night, and feel pretty good about ourselves. That, that was certainly the religion of the rich young ruler. You may remember that story, a young man, uh, we call him the rich young ruler, uh, went to Jesus and, and said, Master, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said, you know the law, you know all the check boxes, do them. And the young man says, but I've done those ever since I was a little boy. And still something was missing. He knew deep down inside that just behaving himself, just checking off the boxes was not enough. He was still coming up short. He, he knew that he still needed something more. Jesus gives us that more. He gives us what else is needed in the great commandment. It comes down to love. It's not about the law. It's about love. Love the Lord your God with everything that's in you. Love your neighbor even as you love yourself. In another place, Jesus will even say, love others even as I have loved you. That's what was missing for the rich young ruler. He had behaved himself very well. Jesus didn't dispute that he had actually kept the law. But keeping the law wasn't enough. He was not able to love the poor like Jesus called him to love the poor. And so he went away very sad. It's not about the law. It's about love. You see, if we love perfectly, if we can ever love perfectly, then we would be free from sin. You see, there is, in order for me to intentionally sin against God, I've got to at least stop loving God a little bit. There's no room for both. I can't stand here in the sanctuary and with any integrity at all, sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, and at the same time, have resistance for God in my heart. The, the two can't occupy the same space. We can't be full of love for God and leave room for disrespect for God. And so when we fully, truly, completely, perfectly love God, we won't sin against God. The same is true for people. In order to intentionally sin against another human being, I have to at least partially stop loving that human being. You can't love somebody and hate them 
all at the same time. I, I can't in one breath both love someone and gossip about them. Perfect love overcomes sin. When we love people perfectly, we won't sin against them. And so Jesus, in this revolution, in this new way of looking at the religion, Jesus uh, at once makes things both easier and harder. Now, on the first hand, it's easier because Jesus, uh, Jesus said we really don't have to worry too much about the 613 commandments that make up Old Testament law. Uh, and that's good news, isn't it? I, I would be, it would scare me to have to just memorize all of them, much less interpret and actually follow all 613 laws. Uh, that's just beyond what I can imagine. And so Jesus liberates us from that. His approach uh, saves us from memorizing and interpreting 613. It's just two. Love God with all that you have. Love others. Love God, love people. Jesus boils it down to something simple enough to remember, simple enough to understand. But it, in a sense, it's more complicated because it's hard to live out. It's hard to faithfully love others. Now, there are people in our lives that it's very easy to love. We can make a long list of people we enjoy loving. But if love is a central tenet of our religion, then it's got to extend beyond those that's easy to love. How do we love everyone? How do we love our enemies? How do we love those who we think vote the wrong way or believe the wrong way or do the wrong things? How do we love? How can we be sure? You see, if we, if we love, if an action is rooted in genuine love, then it's not simple. But how can we be sure our love is genuine? Our motives matter. How can I be sure that the motives behind my words and behavior are truly rooted in love and not selfishness? How can I? It's even possible. It's even possible that we can do someone harm in the name of loving them. We can do damage to other people all the while claiming that the damage is being done out of love. I remember when I was 16 years old, I worked in a textile mill during the summers. Uh, one summer, uh, one of my coworkers there uh, was also a, a fellow student in my high school, and he was harassing some of the young women that were important to me. He was harassing a, a young woman that worked down the line from where I worked, a wonderful young woman, and, and, and he was harassing my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And uh, I would—I just had about enough of it. Uh, another friend—we'll call this—we'll call this guy Billy. It wasn't his real name. We'll—we'll we'll call him Billy. Um, another friend that worked with me there was pretty tired of Billy's behavior too, and we wanted to put a stop to it. We wanted to stand up for what's right. We wanted to stand up to the bully, and so we—we we conspired together to take care of Billy. Uh, I remember the night, uh, we worked the second shift, so we got off at 10, but that night Billy had to work on until two in the morning. As we were walking out of the mill, uh, we conspired and we said, we're gonna get him tonight. Let's go to his car and we're gonna let the air out of one of his tires. Now, we bragged about our own, it, by the way, this other friend of mine happened to be a preacher's son. It wasn't my preacher, but he was a preacher's son. So these two Christians were going out to flatten this guy's tire. Uh, all for good reasons. I mean, he had been a jerk to these two young women. He deserved it. We were rendering justice, weren't we? And so we went out, but well, we did brag on our, we bragged on how good we were. 
on our own character because we were just going to flatten it. We weren't going to like puncture the tire, slash it or anything. We were just going to let the air out. Our thought was he'd come out at two in the morning and have to change his tire before driving home. And so we were standing up for justice, we claimed. Uh, well, we did flatten the tire. And, uh, Billy did come out at two in the morning to drive home. We found out later in school that uh, he didn't realize that the tire was flat. We had mischievously flattened the right rear tire so he wouldn't see it. He drove home, ruined his tire, ruined his rim, and my friend and I were a little proud that we had finally gotten the bully back. Uh, it didn't occur to me at the time that he didn't know who did it. He didn't know why it was done. We were standing up for these two young women, but without doing anything that would benefit the two young women. In reality, we were just mad at him. We acted hatefully towards him. I, I know we don't like to use the word hate, hatred. We like to pretend we don't hate anybody. But what my friend and I did that night to Billy was hateful. And it didn't accomplish anything. Now, we could have taken a good stand against him. We could have stood up for these two young women. There were avenues we could have taken that would have been perhaps virtuous. But we didn't. We chose in the name of justice. And we, we chose in the name of justice to do something that was evil. It felt chivalrous. It was really hatred. So our motives matter. The honesty and integrity of our motives matters. It can be tricky learning exactly what is loving and what is not loving. And to be perfectly honest, sometimes it's absolutely possible to love. You know, at that time, I would have told I would have told you that uh, Billy didn't deserve that amazing grace we just sang about. We certainly didn't offer it to him. We, we, didn't, we were standing up for the young women, but we didn't offer any of that amazing grace at all to Billy. And at that time, I would have told you he didn't deserve it because of the way he was acting. But do I? Do I deserve that amazing grace? What is it that I did to earn it for myself? What behaviors of mine should have disqualified me from receiving that amazing grace? No, I... I didn't do anything to get it. God gave freely. And because of that, we should have given freely to Billy. It's hard to love like that. It is tough to follow love's lead in all that we do in life. In fact, it's impossible. It's simply not in us to do that. I don't have the human willpower to love folks like Billy and a list of others that we won't get onto on camera. It's not in me. Fortunately, it doesn't have to be. God gives to them. God gives whatever's lacking in our lives. In our weakness, God reveals His strength. So God, through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, makes it possible for us to love. And that's the only way. That's our only hope. I look at the world around us right now and how divided we are. Uh, even uh, even those of us who claim the name of Christ seem to be at each other's throats these days. Lord, teach us to love. Lord, teach us to treat one another with amazing grace. None of us compares to you. And yet you've been so good to us. Teach us to love one another. I pray that the Holy Spirit will fill us, equip us, and empower us to love 
as Jesus loves. I hope that something we've done in worship today has touched your heart. I want to invite you to continue the conversation. Uh, My email address is on the screen. If you would like to email me and continue the conversation, I would love to do that. I would love to connect you with our church family here at Forest Lake. If you're already a part of the church family and you just need some time reconnecting, we'd love to do that as well. If God is somehow working in your life today, then I invite you to respond, connect with us, and let's continue to grow in faithfulness together. Amen.